0: Hi, and welcome back to the final unit that we're covering on the NLP Practitioner course. So we're we're going to move on to parts integration today. And this is another of the big game changers in NLP. And I love parts integration because it settles all of those conflicts that you might have within yourself and it's it's huge so firstly it's helpful to check out the six step reframe so if you can take a look at page 70 I'm going to talk about it just for a couple of reasons one is for historical purposes and the other thing is that the process itself has been very useful it's it's the pre it's what happened pre parts integration so I I do want to share it with you as I think that that in itself can also change your thinking processes both from the point of working with a single client as well as doing negotiations with groups of people so the six-step reframe essentially asks us to communicate with a part of the unconscious mind and let's talk for a moment about parts. Just briefly a part, of the, a, a part of the unconscious mind that usually is separated from the rest of the unconscious mind and has some behavior which is produced that the client isn't happy about. So you might hear someone say oh part of me made me do that that's sort of an essence where the notion of parts comes from. So the notion of parts originally comes from or at least most popu- popularly comes from Fritz Perls and Virginia Satir and we've heard a lot about those two people throughout this NLP course. Now both of these therapists actually use parts integration quite a bit in their therapies. So let's get back and talk about six step re- the six-step reframe. So the purpose of using the six-step reframe is to find the benefits behind any behavior and install new ways to achieve those benefits more elegantly to get results. And you do this by establishing communication between the conscious and unconscious mind, between parts of the unconscious mind so that all parts are seen as allies, as potential teachers, supporters. And this way of reframing was used with any kind of behaviour, internal or external, or actually any symptom. So the first thing that you want to do, what you, what you want to do to access the behaviour that's been created or access part of them. So you ask, I'd like to ask the part of you responsible for whatever that behaviour is, if it's willing to communicate with me now with a visible body movement, then you actually wait for the signal and you say, let's refer to you as part whatever although you could give it a name, you could just call it part X. And you say, I want to thank you for signaling me now. So the idea is that that particular part does want to communicate. And I think usually parts do want to communicate. So ask them to intensify the signal for yes and decrease it for no. Then you want to discover and acknowledge the benefits. So you say part X. I want to acknowledge you for always having acted in the client's best interests, for having provided the benefits for her or him in the past. We're here to assist you now in simply creating additional choices for his or her life now. And we create some choices by the way we say, can you take the part X to the creative part of you and have the part X and the creative part come up with at least three additional choices of behavior that will provide you with equal or greater benefits when you have these three additional choices. Now you get the the signal from maybe with a visible body part and as you do a congruency check, then you ask them to go inside and check for any other parts which might object to adopting these additional choices. And if so, will, will those parts signal with a visible body movement now? And if you get a signal, then you repeat step number four, creating additional choices, agreeable with the creative part, part X and any other projecting points. So you actually include other parts of the objective and then you get to your future pace and test. So you say, now can you step into the near future and put yourself in a situation you'd have reason to use these additional choices, experiencing this going on now. And as I count to three, you'll open your eyes, knowing that you've integrated all these choices. One, two, three. Okay, now you'll realise once we come onto parts how similar the six step refl- reframe is to the development of that in parts integration. And we've included the six step reframe for a historical purses purposes as well as it structures our thinking and I like the way the thought process occurs there although again we no longer use the technique because it's it sometimes it was found to install parts rather than integrate them as a whole and the great thing about parts integration is it integrates parts to become a, co- be, to become a whole so now it's time to simply move on and talk about parts integration And as we continue our section on reframing, I'm going to talk next about a couple of techniques. So the first one is parts integration. To me, parts integration is one of the more important techniques of NLP, if not one of the most important outside of timeline therapy. And it's one of the ones that I use a lot. I can't say I use it almost every time, but I use it just about most often. When I'm working with clients that have some particular particular difficult conflicts at the unconscious level. So I think the first thing you want to do is turn to page 72 and let's talk a little bit about parts. And we, we started talking about parts earlier within the six step reframe. And this is the technique that took over that technique. So parts are part of the unconscious mind. And I think we can safely say that a part is a part. Of the unconscious mind. And I'd like to talk just a little bit before we begin about the notion of parts. And where they lie at the unconscious level and essentially how they work. So parts are a part of the unconscious mind. And notice it says parts there. And there's a diagram. And imagine for a moment that that side is totally blank. That slide is totally blank. So imagine this slide being totally blank. Now, the totally blank slide would be your unconscious mind. So the blank slide would be your unconscious mind. And your unconscious mind prior to any experience and prior to any, shall we say, disintegration is the blank slide. Now, what happens is oftentimes there's a part which is formed in the unconscious mind. And a part is actually a part of the nervous system, a part of the unconscious mind. But it's become functionally detached from being functional and becoming functionally detached from the rest of the unconscious mind. So some communication, which was supposed to begin at the lower left there, where that little arrow says communication, it moves straight Originally that communication was intended to move straight through but it bumps into the part and then it goes awry and it hits that dashed line and moves off in a different direction and doesn't fully go through the nervous system easily or very clearly and even very cleanly. So a part is some sort of functional blockage. It's a functional blockage that has been superimposed on the nervous system and which interferes with the flow of information through the neural network pathways. So information which is supposed to flow smoothly through the neural networks is going to get jammed up by a part. It's going to get jammed up and it won't flow through the neural, net- neural network smoothly. So in essence, parts integration in theory should remove these blockages in the nervous system and allow the neural network information to flow smoothly, smoothly through the neural network. Now that's very exciting because what that means is that a parts integration will actually improve our physiological energy and our psychological health, which of course, if you've ever had a really good parts integration done with you, it really does do that. It really takes and moves the energy through you and begins to make it so that it begins to move freely and smoothly through. So what we're saying is that a part is the, is a part of the unconscious mind and you will hear that over again so that you understand that a part is a part of the unconscious mind and it becomes functionally detached from the rest of the nervous system and it blocks up the flow of neural network information a part always has a certain behavior that it produces and usually if a part is a part of a presenting problem that behavior which the part is producing the client doesn't like it very much so it's part of the presenting problem and in that sense it's something that the client would like to get rid of or like not to have anymore and the client will say i just don't want to do that sort of thing anymore Or I just don't want to feel that certain way anymore. Parts themselves often have their own values and belief systems. They have their own functional approach to life. And oftentimes when we pop into a part, or when that part gets activated in us, it's pretty tough for us to then get out of it. So we act in that way for a lot longer than we'd like to. And that's the problem with parts. The part itself gets higher and higher boundaries the more that we're able to the more that we're able to react inside the part so a part which is a brand new part that was just formed recently will have the client being able to get out of it a lot more easily than a part which the client has been doing for a long time because the more the client does it the more the client does that behavior in that way and working with that part the more the client is going to activate those neural networks so parts integration is very very valuable for undoing that sort of thing oh and here's something else about parts integration that i really really like and i think this is important the more parts we've got at the unconscious level the more chances there are for incongruence Mm. so you remember If you go back and remember what we talked about during the presuppositions of NLP, we said all procedures should increase wholeness. And in that sense, a part decreases wholeness. So anytime we have a part at the unconscious level, we're going to have the possibility of increased conflict within. And anytime there's any possibility of increased conflict, what we have is a decrease of congruency. Now think about that for a moment. Any time you have incongruencies or not congruency at the unconscious level, you have an increased possibility of incongruent behaviour. So the remedy for incongruent behaviour is definitely always a parts integration. So imagine this. What would happen if you personally, as a practitioner of NLP and your clients, of course, as people who come to you and get great results with you and your clients could both get rid of all of your conflicts and grievances wouldn't that be great and what if we could just simply get rid of all the conflicts at the unconscious level so that's essentially what parts integration is about it's about getting rid of any incongruence at the unconscious level and it's also about being able to take and smooth out those sorts of wrinkles as it were smooth out the wrinkles of incongruence and smooth out the incongruent behavior So a client who says, I'm really conflicted, then parts integration is the absolute answer. A client who says, well, you know, I feel I could do this, but I could do that. Parts integration is definitely the answer. If a client says, I don't know which way to turn, I can't choose. Parts integration is definitely the answer there see parts integration is the answer for a lot of things that involve conflict at the unconscious level so what's exciting about this to me is that a parts integration definitely increases congruency so it's something that i think most people want to work through i think most people i've talked to would like to be more congruent we'd like to be more aligned inside ourselves and would like to feel inside themselves a sort of alignment and a whole and a wholeness So parts integration is totally about that. Okay so you see this line here on the slide with an X and a Y. Now if you assume that X and Y are the full range of what the nervous system is capable of and see X is to zero and Y is to infinity. So assuming the nervous system is fully capable of doing all the way from x to y, although probably it will never quite reach infinity and probably never quite reach zero, but let's assume for a moment that we've picked up the full range of which the nervous system is capable. Then if we integrate those two parts at a and b, we'll not get as wide an integration or deep integration or as profound integration as if we get the two parts which we integrate at x and y. And I want to point out to you also before we actually begin this process, because that's really also a really important part of parts integration, being able to get the most widely separated possible level of parts in the process, because what it's going to do is it's going to pull in more neural networks. It's going to bring more profound integration of the pairs of opposites at the unconscious level. And we're interested in all of that okay so let's let's go back to page 72 and take a look at what we've got so the first thing that you want to do when you do a parts integration is you want to identify the part and the conflict so the two parts that are involved so you want to clearly identify the conflict that is involved and it says here to make sure you identify the parts clearly and understand. The nature of the conflict. So you dig into that and so that you yourself could stand in the shoes of the person and stand in the shoes of both conflicts and understand totally what they're about. So you've got to understand what in the world is going on within that conflict. Now if you don't understand what's going on in the conflict then the parts integration will not be as profound nor as precise as it could be. And so in essence You'll not be doing as good a job. So to fully understand it, I think you should ask questions. And of course, one of the questions that we mentioned in the meaning reframe was to ask the question, how is that a problem? And that's a good question here too. You can even write that down on page 72 if you wanted to. How is that a problem? Well, let me give you an example. So I had a woman come to me and... I said to her, so what's your problem? And she said, I can't decide which of the two houses that I want to live in. Now, I think many NLP practitioners would have just put one house on one hand and one house on the other hand and integrated the two houses. But notice that that won't do as good a job as if you really get down and clear as to what the nature of the conflict is and ask the question, how is that a problem? Because, I mean, I know of people living on the street who will be happy to have one house, let alone two. And, I mean, two houses, more than one, that's a heck of a problem to have, isn't it? I mean, that's what I said to her. I said, you know, that's a heck of a problem to have. I mean, many people don't even have one house. And here you are, you've got two of them that you could live in. So what's, what's the problem? See, that having two houses is not a problem. So she said, well, I really just can't decide which house to live in. Now that may be a problem, but I still don't get it. So I said, well, how is that a problem? And after asking her the question several times, she said, well, I just don't feel like I can have what I want. Now that's the problem. If a client says to you, I don't feel like I can have what I want, that's a problem, isn't it? So I said to her, so there's a part of you that says it's not okay for you to have what you want. And she said, well, yes, there is. And that's a problem. And that's the first part. So we're at that point going to have the part which represents the unwanted state or behaviour come out on her hand first. And I saw and I said to her, I wonder if I can talk to this part, which hand would it like to come out on and stand on the right hand or the left hand? And she said it would like to come out and stand on the right hand. So now we have the part for the things it's not okay for the one that thinks it's not okay for her to have what she wants. That's going to stand on the right hand and I think at this point you want to make sure that the client has got a visual auditory and kinesthetic image. I mean even olfactory and gustatory and maybe even auditory digital can be included in that image of that part if possible to complete that image so that you know that the client is fully associated to this part. Now it's helpful, at this point, to personify this part if possible. So it's, it's quite often when the part comes out in the hand, I'd like you to say, who does this part look like? Does it look like someone you know? And the reason I want you to personify the part at this point is because it will also allow for greater association. At this point, the client will be more, more associated with the part. Then we say, I'd like to ask the opposite number, the part with which this part is most in conflict to come out onto the left hand. The flip side of the coin, the opposite number, and let's have it come out and stand on the other hand. Would it like to stand on the front, middle, or back? So now that part with which this first part is most in conflict, the opposite number comes out and stands on the other hand. So we have a part on the other hand. And again, you want to make sure they have a visual, auditory, kinesthetic image for that part and you also want to make sure that that part is personified so it has to have a name of someone that they know so if the client says this part comes onto the hand and you say to the client what's this part look like and the client says this part looks like a great pink fluffy ball well if it looked like aunt mary that would work a heck of a lot better as a part than some great big pink fluffy ball And I promise you that if the client has a a visual auditory and kinesthetic image, which is personified, in essence, who does it look like? Does it look like someone that you know you'll have a much better reaction in terms of the parts integration? Okay, so we've got the first part that's come out onto the hand and we've got the vak image of that part the second part comes out in the hand and we've got a vak image for the second part and then the next step is that we're going to separate intention from behavior we're going to separate intention from behavior in this way we are going to reframe each part so that they realize that they actually have the same intention we're going to do that by chunking up So we're going to ask, what's the intention or for what purpose? And we'll begin chunking up first with the part that is the unwanted state or behaviour. Why, might you ask? Well, many NLP trainers all suggest you chunk up the part that's got the wanted state or behaviour. But my point of view is that if you start with a part that's got the unwanted state of behaviour and act, and you chunk that up the the unwanted part because that's the part that's got the problem when you chunk that up the part then doesn't have a problem because you're working on a part without a problem if you chunk up the part that doesn't have a problem so we're not going to get as deep an integration if we chunk that part up first we're not going to get as powerful an integration as if we actually begin to work with the part that has the problem, then we will get a powerful integration. Okay, so we begin by asking the parts which represent the unwanted state or behaviour. In this case, for this example, there's a woman here who said, I don't feel like I can have what I want. So we begin to ask that part for what purpose? What purpose? What's this part's purpose? Or what's its intention in telling you this? But if you can't have what you want, and I want you to notice as you begin to chunk up that you make sure that the client's intention stays associated. So if we take a look here at this little circular shaded part, this is the part and the part has got a certain behaviour at the lowest level of that part. The part has also got a, a certain intention at its highest level. Now, this is really important from the point of view of procedure and from the point of view of the philosophy that of parts integration. So you need to understand at this point that the highest intention of a part is never the intention of the whole. Or if it were, the part would then be the whole. So epistemologically, which means thinking about thinking, a part can't possibly be the whole and have the intention of the whole, because if it did, have the intention of the whole, it would be the whole. So a part generally has an intention, which isn't as high as the intention of the whole, which usually is contained inside the boundaries. So what's gonna happen is, you're going to actually chunk the client up or ask them for what purpose or what's the intention. And as they move to higher levels of abstraction and those horizontal lines that are above behavior, moving up that vertical arrow, those horizontal lines indicate a higher level of intention and a higher level of intention and a higher level of intention and at some point what's going to happen is that the client is going to get to a point where they actually loop and by loop i mean that they'll give you a higher intention higher level intention and then they'll come back down they'll come back down and they'll probably go and even repeat words that they gave you previously They may even say, I don't know what the higher level intention is, or that's it. That's the highest level of intention. And what's going to happen here if you actually are asking the client, starting from inside the point, you're actually asking the client to go outside of the part. We want, we're actually asking the client to go outside the part with their chunking process. So you're actually building new neurological networks with the client. These neurological networks that this client hasn't accessed before. Neurological networks the client was unaware of or just really had no utility or no access of prior to this moment. So you're going to ask the client to chunk up and go outside the current range of behaviour which the part is capable and it may jump back down and loop a couple of times. If it jumps back down and loops a couple of times you want to be very patient at this point and I would say, don't allow the client to tell you that there's no higher chunk. Don't allow the client to say, oh, that's it. That's as far as it goes. What you really, really, really want to do at this point is you really want to stick with the highest level of intent. You really want to get it. I mean, in your mind, holding that in your mind that you're going to get the highest level. And I want you to stick with that thought. And I want you to be patient until the part finally chunks up, outside of the boundaries. When that happens, you'll actually notice a very nice colour shift in the client and usually what will happen is the client will shift from a sympathetic function into parasympathetic function. The colour in the face will become darker and redder, the hands will warm up and the client will have a really, really nice integration that occurs at that point. And as that really, really nice integration occurs, what will happen is the client will switch on the healing process. They'll move into the parasympathetic function. So at this point, the client finds that they have a highest intention. Okay, so let's go back to page 72. So the client finds that there's a highest intention and the the first part that you're working with is, is chunked up and gets to levels outside of the original boundaries, outside of the original part. So what you'll find is that the hands will start moving together automatically. Now, when the hands start moving together automatically, they they, mo- they may move rather quickly. And you'll see that on the demonstration that I post or they may move together rather slowly. And we don't know in advance whether they'll move quickly or slowly. So. We do want to keep an eye on the hands. Now, the next few steps, I think it would be good to say with these steps, if the hands are coming together real rapidly, you may not have times to say it. But if the hands really come together so rapidly, you didn't get a chance to say them, that's fine. Just allow them to be. Here are some other questions. As the hands are coming together, you can ask. Now, here's what I like to do when, right after... Right after we start to, the hands start to move, we chunk the part up outside the boundaries. The minute the hands start moving together, because both of those parts have agreed outside of that boundary. You can say once the hands move, did you did you notice your hands are moving together? And the client will either say yes or no. More often than not, they will say no. Whatever they say, you could say, well, you're not doing that on purpose, are you? Or you're not doing that consciously, are you? And the client will say no. And that becomes a real solid convincer for the client, a real convincer that something's happening here, something that I'm not aware of, but it's happening, definitely happening on an unconscious level. So okay, if you have the parts notice that they were once part of a larger whole, and you'll say, what resources or attributes does each part have that the other part would like to have? So they'll tell you, and then ask you ask, as for the other parts that so were also once part of the larger whole and have them come and join the integration. So as the hands don't come together automatically, the hands should come together quite automatically at this point. They should just be coming together rather nicely and they should continue to come together. If the hands don't come together fully, let's say the hands start to come together and then they stop, maybe an inch apart or half an inch or whatever, then you do want to go back to chunking the original parts. So go back to the unwanted part with the unwanted state of behavior and say to the part with the unwanted state of behavior so let me ask this part again so the last sized chunk the, the last highest intention was and say what that was and that for what purpose so you can still continue to chunk that part up again and get it outside of the boundaries if and that's if the hands don't come together it means to me that simply you didn't get the highest level chunk And that they didn't go actually outside the boundaries of the part. Because the minute you go outside the boundaries of the part, the hands will start coming together automatically. Even if you never said to the client that the hands will come together. You can also utilise other positive suggestions, such as notice the hands coming together and as they continue to move together and come together. And you can expand on what's said here. Keep focusing all of your attention inside. Notice all of the feelings and all the changes at the unconscious level. And I know that you know that it's time to let this go. And it's good to let things go as you are whole. And then as the hands step eleven, as the hands almost touch. And in a moment, your hands are going to touch. And when they do, let that be a sign of how whole you are now at the unconscious level. And then as soon as the hands go together, then you want to encourage them to take the integrated part inside and have it merge into the wholeness inside. And if you're next to the person, you can use your book just to lightly lift their hands up to their chest. Or you can encourage them to take their hands as they are together into their chest. And then you're going to let them just take that in to process that integration, to feel that integration and to get those neural networks firing. So once we've, we've done that, we test in future pace. Now, how do you feel differently about that old conflict and, and behaviour? And then to future pace, just think about a time in the future where if it had happened in the past, you would have had the old conflict or behaviour. And tell me what happens instead. And again, this is that reassurance, the convincer that they have had a big change. So we can do this as quickly as we can possible to keep up with a client's unconscious mind or perhaps even to move a little faster than that. But parts integration is a little bit of a different process. It's a little bit more slow, a little bit more leisurely. It's a great process. Okay, so enough said about parts integration. And I think we can uh, we can uh, finish that with just reminding you that once you've separated intention from behaviour, then you can do this encouragement to bringing the hands together and taking the integrated part inside, remembering to test in future pace. So that's, that's the end of parts integration, and we'll move on. To some other techniques, some other great techniques that are really helpful within the next part of this whole unit. Thanks for listening.